0: Hi, I'm Curtis. I'm Meredith. We're coming to you from inside our bedroom closet because that's where the acoustics work. This is the launch pod for Pomona Valley Turkey.
1: First things first, we were at Disneyland last week, which means we recorded our first two episodes the prior week before the weather here in Chicago hit low temperatures last seen, I don't know, during the Ice Age? I think that's accurate?
0: That sounds about right.
1: Which is great, except for the fact that this is our first chance to really rub it in to all our Chicago friends that we were hanging out with Mickey in shorts and flip-flops while they were... I don't know, turning the broiler on and opening the oven door for warmth.
0: Building makeshift fire pits in their living rooms.
1: Huddling with the whole family wearing those big Russian fur hats stuck inside the house for a full week because even though school and work was canceled, it was too darn cold to even walk to the mailbox, let alone go play in the snow together.
0: I think that actually is true. Children were not built to live somewhere this cold. No. I don't know if our California listeners totally even understand what negative 50 degree wind chill even means. Uh, we were trying to explain that concept, negative temperatures, to our kids last week. And there is just no category in their brains to even totally comprehend what it means.
1: This is our third episode of the Launch Pod for Pomona Valley Church, and we're going to continue the conversation that we started last time about some of the reasons we think people are feeling disconnected from church, and how we could see the church that we're dreaming of address those disconnects.
0: And this is from conversations that we've had with people over the years about church, from reading we've done about research into church and culture, and our own observations from our time in ministry. Last time we talked about some of the practical disconnects, right? That there's not always enough time to do churchy stuff or the churchy stuff I'm doing doesn't seem to actually help me in my life in any particular way, or I don't see the inclusion and diversity in the church that I want or that I expect to see. And if for some reason you missed that, you can head back to episode two.
1: Today, though, we're going to dive into what I think is a really crucial theological reason that church isn't connecting the way it used to. And this is a short podcast, so I'm going to try my best not to nerd out here and just point out resources that you can seek out if you want to dive in deeper. But we're talking about the atonement today.
0: The atonement, or in normal English, we're talking about what makes Jesus good news. His life, death, and resurrection. In most evangelical churches, this is almost exclusively talked about as you're a sinner, Jesus died in your place, you get to go to heaven now. The problem is that message doesn't really feel like good news to people who don't think of themselves as sinners who deserve punishment. And I think that is a lot of people. And maybe that used to be different, I don't know. But I think that if the gospel doesn't seem like good news, then we who carry the gospel are doing something wrong.
1: Because our message ought to meet people where they are. To use another theological term, um, that's being incarnational. When we embody the message so that it matches the people we're trying to reach in the same way that Jesus embodied the gospel to us when he was incarnated and became human.
0: The other thing is when that's the whole message, you're a sinner, Jesus saved you, go to heaven. It's no surprise that some Christians don't really engage with things like doing justice or building community.
1: Or racial reconciliation or spiritual practices.
0: All the other things that Christians could and should care about because they follow Jesus. But there's no obvious connection between those things when all they've been taught is that other core message.
1: Yeah, all the other stuff is like an optional add-on. Jesus decoration.
0: Jesus' decoration twinkly?
1: It's another uh, theological term, like incarnational, Jesus' decoration.
0: Gotcha. It comes from the
1: Latin decorum.
0: Oh, I see. I was thinking Greek. That's why it threw me off. Anyway, the Bible doesn't just talk about why Jesus matters in one way. The Bible uses a lot of different images for Jesus' life, death, and resurrection because those are going to bring good news to different people.
1: And that's a crucial point because some people in these conversations hear what we're saying as we're going to be unbiblical, or we're not going to talk about the gospel anymore or something like that.
0: But really what we're talking about, if anything, is more biblical because we want to expand the understanding of the gospel to match all that the Bible says is good news so that it can connect with more people.
1: Right. We want, we want more Bible because we think God gave us all those different images on purpose.
0: To sum up, we think one of the reasons there's a disconnect between people and the church is that for many churches, the gospel has become so narrowed to this one solution,
1: what theologians call substitutionary atonement, to one problem, I'm a woeful sinner.
0: But that's not a problem most people think they have. So there is a disconnect.
1: The issue is not that people have no problems, just that the solution the church is offering doesn't always match up to the actual problems people are facing.
0: So with the time we have left, we want to dive into some of the common problems people do have. And then imagine how a re-expanded perspective on the gospel and a church that's trying to live that out might better connect with people and be really compelling.
1: So for this discussion, we're going to focus on five of those problems. Loneliness, being worn out and stressed, the oppression and injustice in the world around us, broken relationships, and seasons of crisis and hardship. Now, these are not all of the problems out there by any means, but they are some common ones that we see in the culture around us that can give us a starting point and some more concrete examples to work with. So, mayor, people are lonely.
0: People are lonely. It's the irony of the hyper-connected world we live in digitally but there is so much research coming out about the rise of loneliness especially in younger people.
1: Yeah, but this is also a problem that's been growing for for decades. I mean, there's a there's a famous book that came out almost 20 years ago by a Harvard sociologist named Robert Putnam and it's called Bowling Alone that that's calling attention to the same kind of dynamics.
0: Yeah, and it will show up in both mental and physical health conversations, that they're talking about declines in overall health, depression, drug addiction.
1: One of the more interesting facts, uh, I, I think, is that you're significantly more likely to get a cold when you're lonely, which I just think is so interesting. Like, the mental health side is kind of obvious. Like, of course, we were made to be social creatures when we're not. That's going to show up in, in, in ways that make us sad or depressed. Like, I get that. Uh, but the way it affects our even our immune systems, that's that's just fascinating to me.
0: And you can see how if I'm feeling a deep sense of loneliness and the church is saying to me, You're a sinner, Jesus died for you. It's not a bad message, but it does feel like it missed the point.
1: Totally misses the point.
0: I'm not lonely because I'm a sinner. I'm lonely because I don't have enough good friends, or because I just moved, or because I just lost somebody. I'm lonely because of social reasons, not sin reasons.
1: Which is where Jesus comes in. Not directly because he forgives our sin, although, I mean, all these things are interconnected and and related, of course. But because Jesus makes a way for each and every one of us to be a part of the family of God.
0: It's one of the most common ways the New Testament talks about what Jesus does for us through his life, death, and resurrection. Jesus is building a new family that transcends biological ties, and that could be such good news because then a person is invited to be centered around Jesus in a family where they are known and loved, where they belong, and can experience warmth and connection, which is a universal need that we all have.
1: And this is something I'm more and more convinced of, that maybe the number one thing the church has to offer the culture today is not an entertaining worship experience or a thought-provoking sermon, which which are fine, but it's real face-to-face warm relationships. There's just not many places you can get that in our world today. But But the church, because of what Jesus means and who he is, can be one of those places. Yeah.
0: And we are really hoping that Pomona Valley Church will embody that reality of face-to-face, real life, real time, slow and steady friendships.
1: It's going to be tricky and messy, but... Because
0: that's what real friendship is.
1: But it's so important that we do that. Now, we could obviously go on and on on this, but let's move on to the next example that we're going to talk through. People are stressed.
0: And sometimes it's stress from like an overfull schedule because you've got kids activities or a ton of office time or an extra layer of needing to care for someone, the week just fills and you don't have a minute to breathe. And that is incredibly stressful. There, I think, is a sense in our culture in the last five, 10 years, especially if I'm not hustling, I'm less valuable, less important.
1: I mean, I suppose like, you know, the the gig economy with freelance work and Uber and all those things is getting more and more prevalent. and. I suppose you are literally less valuable if you're not constantly hustling because you you don't get paid if you don't hustle. But there's also the stress that comes from constant image management. I was just reading an article about how common dental veneers are becoming on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Yeah, peek
0: into our life. When Curtis starts a sentence with, I was just reading an article about, he could literally say almost anything next. Hey,
1: that could be like a segment on our podcast. What Curtis read this week.
0: It would be interesting to Curtis.
1: I mean, at least four people might be interested, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yep. So
0: dental veneers on Instagram.
1: Right. So I was reading about dental veneers on Instagram. Uh, But the article was making the point that for so, so many of us, and I know I experienced this. It's one of the reasons I chose to quit Facebook years ago. There's this intense pressure to put out an image, a fiction about our life on the Internet, to show it all polished and perfect and curated, to use a buzzword of the day. Like, even the messiness you see in the pictures is often like this polished humble brag kind of messiness, and it isn't reality. But when we see other people putting it out there, it's so easy to think that it is their reality.
0: And then you feel totally terrible because you know your own reality
1: does not live up to that. It makes people sad and lonely and it's destructive to who God designed us to be and how we were designed to live. And the reason I bring this up is that the good news could be that here in this church community, because we're centered around Jesus, you don't have to put on that veneer. This is a place of warmth and authenticity and relationship, a place where you could practice becoming more like Jesus instead of having to pretend that you already are like Jesus.
0: It comes right out of Jesus's own words in John. He came that we might have life and it says life to the full or other translations will say abundant life. John actually has a central theme through his whole book around life and joy as a major component of what Jesus is up to, and why he matters.
1: So we want Pomona Valley Church to be a place where there's joy and fun, where we help one another live life joyfully and sustainably. And we hope to encourage people to have healthy rhythms of work and play and rest because Jesus invites us into that kind of life.
0: Okay, so now let's move on to a bigger picture issue. The world's full of oppression and injustice. We see it all around us. It is inescapable. And I think a lot of people have a deep sense of wanting to make the world a better place.
1: It's like a running joke or a cliche almost sometimes. Like there's this t- the TV show Silicon Valley, it's this joke that every single tech company claims they're making the world a better place through like optimized digital synergistic systems management software or something. Ooh.
0: <laughs> but trying to make the world better in real life, it's hard, slow work. Any NGO or nonprofit leader will attest to that. And all the while, as this change happens so slowly, real people are suffering at the hands of those systems and structures, whether they're working 60 plus hours a week and still aren't sure that they make enough to cover the bills, whether they're suffering the collective trauma of racism or trying to navigate social services while having to tune out people who hate them for even accessing those services at all. The examples go on and on.
1: So, if you'll allow us to nerd out for a minute, uh, one way to understand the atonement, what what Jesus's life, death, and resurrection mean, um, is called the Christus Victor theory of the atonement, which it's is Latin la-
0: for "Jesus wins." Basically,
1: basically, Jesus wins. But it represents the idea that all the power of evil and oppression and darkness thought that it had won when Jesus died. They had crucified him. It was over. But then. Three days later comes the resurrection, and the truth is revealed that actually Jesus has won. He's conquered not only death, but all the things that are wrong with the world.
0: This version of atonement can be kind of tricky, just because even if we know Jesus won and will win, it really doesn't feel like it a a lot of the time. time. But that is where a church is so important because we keep trying to fight injustice because Christ has conquered. I kind of imagine a game of chess. So our older son wanted to learn chess when he was about five, he's six now and he's gotten pretty decent at it and understands how it goes. And yesterday we were playing a game because there was a chess board at the ice cream shop and now he's teaching me. You heard that right. And, <laughs> He got so excited because he could see a strategy that was about three moves up. And he, of course, then tips his hand in his excitement because he's six. But I look at that chess board and I still don't see it. I don't see the moves. I don't see the future down the road. I am trying to remember the difference between what a knight and a rook can do. All the more, if you take a high caliber chess player, they have the ability to look at that board and 10 or more moves out. They know the game's over. But an untrained person can't Can't see see it. it.
1: Yeah, you don't see it at all. It looks like it's just an even match or something.
0: And I think that this theory of atonement actually works similar. When you start living out the reality that Christ has conquered and will continue to conquer systems of oppression and injustice, that things that are wrong will be made right now and forever into the future, then you're like the chess player who can see the game 10 moves out. And it's very tricky because it's so much easier to be like me in the chess game with my son to take everything at face value
1: so let's move on to another issue the gospel might have something to say to um, and this is related to both the loneliness we spoke about and also to imp- oppression in some ways but it's the issue of broken relationships uh, we're not too far removed from the holidays and you or someone you know is just now relaxing from how tense that dinner table was
0: one of the key words the Bible uses to talk about what Jesus did is reconciliation to God, to one another. The Bible describes how one of the things Jesus was doing was reconciling all things to himself and giving his followers a ministry of reconciliation.
1: Reconciliation. We would love to be a church that enters into the complicated but powerful work of reconciliation, of putting back together relationships that have been broken, whether it's friendship or family, whether it's across racial lines, straight, cisgendered to LGBTQ, affluent to low income, whatever it might be, where people have wounded one another, we want to enter into processes of listening and forgiving and reconciling because that's the ministry that Jesus has given us.
0: Okay, last example for today, and it's pretty broad. And that's when we're going through seasons of hardship or crisis. We are unemployed and don't know when a job will work out. The car stops running and we can't afford to fix it. The debt is out of control and we can't avoid it anymore. A loved one needs intense caregiving and we don't know how long we can cover that additional responsibility.
1: And again, when the message of the gospel is only, you're a sinner, Jesus died for you, Go to heaven. And the problem a person is facing is chronic illness of a loved one. Well, what are you saying? I'm in pain because I'm a sinner. And that's why my mom is getting dementia. Like, I get to go to, to heaven. So it's okay that we're all suffering. Like that message just doesn't help. At best it's irrelevant. And at worst, it's kind of insulting.
0: There's a description of Jesus in the Bible. In contrast, as a man of sorrows, acquainted with suffering. and, There's a story of Jesus' friend, Lazarus, dying, and the Bible says Jesus weeps. I remember us talking about that passage once actually in a class, and the professor stopped to ask, why do you think Jesus weeps? And I threw out the answer. I'd kind of always been taught about it, that Jesus weeps, and it shows that he really was a human, that he really did understand human pain, and that he really did empathize with people. And the professor pushed back on me, actually. And I remember her saying, why wouldn't it be that God is revealing God's empathy and Jesus is showing that to the people around him?
1: It's not Jesus's humanity that's crying. It's maybe his divinity, his godness. Yeah, that cries at the grief. Shout out to Marianne My Thompson. And so what if we as a church could do the same thing. We could hear someone's story of crisis and come alongside them in such a way that they look back whenever it's done and they say, that season was so, so hard. But I wasn't alone. What if we became a concrete physical embodiment of the compassion of Christ for those who are suffering?
0: So there are more images from scripture, more ways to understand the atonement. But again, the point we want to make is that by re-expanding our understanding of the gospel to include all the Bible includes, we can better connect with people around us in their actual lives and situations. There's a theological term, incarnational, which talks about when Jesus became a person put on flesh, but it also represents how we contextualize a message to match the people we hope it will reach. And the reason Jesus incarnated himself was love. And the way we hope Pomona Valley Church postures itself toward the community around us and toward the world is love.
1: Right. We want to reach people because we love them. And all these things we've been talking about today, they're not like nice add-ons to the gospel. They are the gospel. They are the good news that we can spread to the people around us.
0: Yeah. And that's, I think, where we're going to end it for today. And I hope that you resonated with some of the ways that we talked about the gospel in this episode. If you were unsure or unclear, we would totally love to connect a little bit more and talk about it.
1: Yeah, we love talking about this stuff, obviously. We do.
0: And we'd love to hear your thoughts. You can get in touch with us at our email address, pomonavalleychurch at gmail.com.
1: Thanks for listening to the launch pod for Pomona Valley church. For those who are interested in going a little deeper into what the gospel is and the atonement and, and all that stuff that we were talking about today, we will, we will be putting some links to resources on Meredith's blog, which is meredithannmiller.com.
0: And with an E next week, we'll be back with more episodes where we dive more deeply into the idea of having a rhythm of life. We just mean a way of living with Jesus that allows you to joyfully and sustainably live the one another's from the Bible and be a good neighbor and do justice.
1: We're also creating a tool for building your own rhythm of life. If that's not something you've had much practice with before or experience with, and we'd love to invite you to try that with us starting next week.
0: Until then, please subscribe to the podcast to make sure you don't miss it. Pass it along to anyone you think might be interested, whether they are in Southern California or not. We believe that good news is something a lot of people are looking for these days. So you can help us get the word out.
1: Until next time, we love you all. Talk to you soon.
0: Thanks for joining us. Bye.